Greetings, everybody. Today we're going to be talking about an issue that I believe is long overdue, and that is the issue, once again, of which Bible should Christians be using and why? Does it really matter what Bible version that you use? I believe the answer is yes, because the more you do research into these new Bible versions, the more you begin to see that the new Bible versions are steering people further and further and further away from the gospel truth that was handed down to us from generation to generation to generation. I've had some conversations recently with uh, religious leaders and others dealing with this Bible version issue, and the results that I've got back were pretty sad, to say the least. Um, I would ask people, for instance, uh, why don't you use the King James Bible? And they would always come back with the same thing. They would say, well, the King James Bible uses words like thee and thou and ye. And I say, well, is that the only reason that's standing in your way from using the King James Bible? And they say, well, the King James Bible, you know, we don't talk like the King James Bible. I'm sure many of you have heard that said before. They say we don't talk like the King James Bible. Well, first of all, what I'd like to do is this. There is a reason why the King James Bible uses the words thee, thou, thy, and thine, and the word ye. The people who promote the new Bible versions, they never take the time to explain to you why the King James Bible uses these words. They leave you with the impression that, quote, that's how they talked back then, unquote. But that's not the case. There's another reason as to why the King James Bible uses words like thee, thou, thy, thine, and ye. And I'm going to explain that because if that's what's standing in the way of people reading God's holy word, then let me go ahead and give a definition so you guys will know what it means. And when you find out what it means, you'll understand the importance of having it in the English Bible and how all the new Bible versions end up destroying the meanings of verses by taking those words out. The second argument that people tend to use is they say, we don't talk like the King James Bible anymore. And they say, based upon that, always going back to the these and thous and yees, they say, we need a whole new translation because nobody speaks in these and thous and yees. Well, the problem with that is, number one, thee, thou, thy, thine, and ye have a meaning. I'm going to explain to you the meaning so that you'll understand why it's important. But secondly... Did you know that you today have been speaking in King James English? You spoke in King James English yesterday, too, and a day before, and a day before that as well. You've been speaking in King James English for as long as you've been able to put together sentences. Did you know that? You might not have known it. But if I can convince you that we still speak like the King James Bible today, would that be enough to convince you to go back home? to the King James Bible. I'm going to show you the living proof, the stuff that the people behind the new Bible versions will never show you to give you the proof that there are terms and expressions that you and I use every single day that even though you didn't know it, it came from this more than 400-year-old King James Bible. We're always going to use these terms. We're always going to use these expressions. In times past, people learned to read English by reading the King James Bible. And these terms and expressions have become part of our natural vernacular in English. We use them every day, and people have no clue that when they're using these terms, they're actually quoting 
the King James Bible. So I want to prove to you in just a little bit that we indeed do still talk like the King James Bible. And I'm going to explain to you what thee, thou, thy, thine, and ye means as well. But before we start, there's something else I need to deal with. The new Bible versions and the people behind them, in order to get you to leave the King James, remember there was a time when the King James Bible was the only Bible Christians used. They wouldn't dare use anything else because the only other thing out there was the Catholic version. And we were not going to use the Catholic version because the Catholic Bible had taken out a whole bunch of stuff and they had put in a whole bunch of stuff. We wanted to stick with the Bibles that came from the manuscripts that came from the originals. And the King James Bible is in that long line of Bible versions that come from those manuscripts that trace back to the originals. The Catholic manuscripts don't. When the new Bible versions began to come out, they needed to find a way, a reason, to get Christians to leave the King James in order to follow the new versions. So what were they going to come up with? I mean, Christians were unified behind the King James Bible. How were they going to break Christianity up and divide us by bringing in these new Bible versions, which are going to be teaching something different? And we're going to be dealing with that as well. Because when I was growing up, I used what was called a parallel Bible. And I would notice in my parallel Bible, the King James Bible column would always have more information in it, while the other versions would be changing stuff. And as I got older, I began to do research into this area and began to find, wow, I can see now why these new versions are taking stuff out once I found out where they came from. The Bible warns you're not to take stuff out of the Bible, you're not to add stuff to the Bible. We're going to deal with that as well. We're also going to be dealing with this so-called New King James Version. The New King James Version, it's not a King James Version. I don't know how they got the right to even use the King James name on this, being that it's not a real King James Bible in any way, shape, manner, or form. We're going to be dealing with that and exposing it, finding out what it really is and what it's really all about. But we're going to start off at the first thing. In order for the new Bible versions to infiltrate Christian churches and homes and to take Christians that were once unified behind this King James Bible and to split us up by bringing in these new versions that teaches completely different stuff when you compare it to the King James. How were they going to do it? It appeared the technique they decided to use was thee, thou, and ye. They would use that as the battering ram to beat Christians over the head with. They would say, well, nobody talks like that anymore. They'll use those words to say that the King James Bible is too archaic. It's not for today. They'll compare the King James Bible to Shakespeare, which there is no comparison. The King James Bible is light years beyond Shakespeare. Okay? And in order to elevate the new Bible versions, they always have to step on the King James Bible. They always have to find a reason to attack the King James Bible in order to promote themselves. Now, I want to give you a few things to chew on just before we get started with the main part of this message. If I walked into a room that was filled with Bibles, and I picked up one and began reading it, how would you know that I'm reading the King James Bible? You would know it 
because you would hear what I call the distinctive markers of the King James Bible. The distinctive markers of the King James Bible are thee, thou, thy, thine, and ye. On occasion, you will run into those words in the King James Bible, and those words only appear when there's a conversation going on. Let me explain to you what those words mean. This here is the New King James Version. One of the new versions that's out there are the fake Bibles. They say in here that they removed the these, thous, and yees and everything and replaced it with the word you. Now there's a big problem with replacing thee, thou, thy, thine, and ye with a simple generic you. And here's the problem. The word you can be singular, talking about one person, or the word you can be plural, talking about a lot of people. The King James translators were aware of that, and they did not want to have to leave the Bible up for you to try to figure out what it meant. So in order to make the King James Bible easy to understand, they brought in thee, thou, thy, and thine, the T words, for singular use of the word you. For the plural use of the word you, they brought in Y words, you, your, and ye. So if there's a singular conversation, one person talking to one person about one person, they would use a T word, thee, thou, thy, and thine. If it's one person talking about a group of people, they would use a Y word, you, your, or ye. That makes the Bible, the King James Bible, easier to read and easier to understand. Now I'm going to show you the proof that it makes the Bible easier to read and easier to understand. I'm going to point you to two verses from the Bible where the these and the yees and all are used. And I'm going to show you how the new Bibles destroy these verses by simply using the generic you. We're going to be going to John chapter 3 verse 6 and 7. John chapter 3, verse 6 and 7. This is what it says in the King James Bible, and I want you to remember the rule. Remember the rule. T words are singular. Thee, thou, thy, and thine. In a conversation, the T words are singular. The Y words, you, your, and ye, are plural, meaning they're talking about more than one person. They're talking about more than just a person that's being spoken to. Remember the rule. John chapter 3, verse 6 and 7 in the King James Bible says, That which is born of flesh is flesh, that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto thee, ye must be born again. Now this is the conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus who came to him privately asking him questions. Listen to the wording of what Jesus is saying, because Jesus told Nicodemus, ye must be born again. And Nicodemus didn't understand what he meant. And Jesus said, verse 7, Marvel not that I said unto thee. Thee is a T word, therefore it's singular. Meaning that he's talking to Nicodemus about Nicodemus. Now notice how the wording changes from the T word singular to the Y word plural. Meaning that now he's going to be talking about a group of people. Watch how he changes it. Verse 7 again. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. 
The first part of the verse, he's talking to Nicodemus about Nicodemus. The second part of the verse, he has the Y word, ye. Ye means all of you. All mankind must be born again. All mankind that's ever lived is wrapped up in two letters, Y-E, in the King James Bible. Once you understand the distinctive markers of thee, thou, thy, thine, and ye, and why they're used, the Bible opens up for you in ways that you wouldn't understand. This King James Bible will open up to you. So he's saying to Nicodemus, Marvel not that I said unto thee, you in particular, ye, all of you, all mankind, must be born again. That distinction is not brought out in the New Bible versions. The distinction that Jesus starts off talking about Nicodemus and then changes gears and starts talking about everybody, that's never brought out in the New Bible versions because they take out the thee and the ye and they replaces it with the generic you. And they have Jesus saying, do not marvel that I tell you that you must be born again. So they have the entire conversation now revolving around Nicodemus and only Nicodemus in the new versions. While the King James Bible lets you know that he's first talking about Nicodemus because he used the word the, T word, and then begins to talk about everybody when he used the Y word, ye must be born again. The new Bible versions destroy this verse because of the removal of the distinctive markers of thee, thou, thy, thine, which is singular, and the ye, which is plural. They never tell you that. They simply use those words as a way of beating Christians down so that they will not use the Bible that has been handed down from generation to generation. They want you to use the new versions so that they can get your money, number one, and so they can get your soul, number two, because you're going to see that the new Bible versions have changed what the Bible is supposed to say. Let me show you one more verse. In the mouth of two or more witnesses, the thing is established. So let's go ahead and check out another verse where we're once again trying to teach you the rule. Thee, thou, thy, and thine, singular. You, your, and ye is plural in the King James Bible. We're going to Luke chapter 22, verse 31 and 32. Luke chapter 22, verse 31 and 32 in the King James Bible. Jesus is uh, speaking to Peter. But he's not just speaking about Peter. How do we know? Because of the use of the T words and the Y words. Remember, you, your, and ye are plural in the King James Bible. Listen to what he says here in Luke chapter 22, verse 31, 32, in the King James Bible. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon. Behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Now we have a mouthful here of Y words and T words. Remember the rule and you'll understand the verse. Let's go back to it again. Luke 22, 31 to 32. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you. You 
is a plural word in the King James Bible. He's not just talking about Peter. If he was, he would have said Satan hath desired to have thee. He would have used a T word. He didn't use a T word. He used the Y word, you, meaning all of them. Satan wanted to have all the disciples to sift them all as wheat. Now listen how it changes from the Y word, you, to the singular words, of thee and thy. The Lord said unto Simon, 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 behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee. Now he's talking about Peter in particular. I prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy Brethren, you can see in the conversation on the first part, he's talking about all of them because he used the Y word you, and then he shifts gears and focuses attention on Peter in particular and switches to using all T words, thee and thou, over and over, thee, thou, and thy. This distinction that he goes from talking about all the disciples on the one hand and then transitioning over and talking to Peter in particular is not brought out in the new Bible versions because they only use the word you in these passages. So they have it saying, Satan hath desired to have you to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you. Do you see how that destroys what Jesus is actually meaning? The use of the you for plural in the King James Bible and the T words, thee, thou, thy, and thine for singular in the King James Bible is very important. And once you understand why these words are used, it then starts to make sense to you that the King James translators, to avoid confusion, to avoid confusion, brought these words in so that we would know the difference between singular conversation and plural conversation. All the new Bible versions just wreck the verses by taking out what I call the distinctive markers of the King James Bible, thee, thou, thy, thine, and ye. They take those out, they replace it with the generic you, and they leave you wondering who he's actually talking about in the verses because they don't make the distinction between when he's talking singular about one person or when he's talking plural about a group of people or whether he's doing both, as in both of these verses I'm showing you here, he's doing both, talking both singular on the one hand and plural on the other, and the only way you know what's happening is the use of the distinctive markers, thee, thou, thy, and thine for singular, you, your, and ye, for plural. Now, why is it that the makers of the new Bible versions wouldn't tell you that? It's that simple. Does that make the Bible archaic by using thee, thou, thy, thine, and ye? Would you understand now that these words are used to help make the Bible understandable by understanding the singular versus the plural? It's really that simple. Nothing hard about it, nothing complicated, nothing archaic about it. 
And I'm hoping this is helping to build your faith and understanding. All these new Bible versions wreck the Bible verses. They just totally destroy the verses when they take those words out. And they destroy your faith when they get you to leave this King James Bible to follow the new versions. Because we're going to get into in a few minutes where these new versions come from and why you can't trust them. You honestly simply can't trust them. Now, remember I told you, in times past, King James Bible was all we Christians used. We would not dare go anywhere else. When the new Bible version started coming out, they needed to find a way to get Christians away from the King James Bible to follow the new versions. So how were they going to do it? They attacked the King James Bible always in the same way. They attacked the these and the thous and the yeasts. They say it's too archaic because of the these and the thousand and the yeast. They say it's too hard to read because of the these and the thousand and the yeast. They say it's not for today and it's not modern enough because of the these and the thousand and the yeast. But you just had thee and thou and ye explained to you. And you understand now why those words are important. We can't just take those out and act like it doesn't matter. We need to get back to the Bible that has those in there. And I guarantee you, you start reading this, understanding the rule. Thee, thou, thy, and thine is singular. You, your, and ye is plural. Let this Bible start opening up to you. Learn the things of God. Learn his ways. There's something else I need to show you. They say we don't talk like the King James Version anymore. We're going to deal with that in just a moment. And you're going to see that you, indeed, do talk like the King James Bible, and so do I. You who use the new Bible versions, you still talk like the King James Bible. Even though you don't know you're talking to King James, you're still talking to King James. But before I do, I want to show you the depths, the lowness, that the makers of the new Bible versions have gone. To split up churches, to split up Christians, to divide Christians based upon their versions of the Bible that they use. They claim they made the new Bible versions in order to make the Bible easier to read, easier to understand. If that's the case, then why is it that since 1881, they've come out with over 200 versions of the Bible? Do they really think that we're so dumb that we can't understand the Bible, that they got to break it down over 200 times, and they still say that they haven't gotten it right yet, so they keep coming up with new versions and new versions and new versions. And I want you to understand, look, when they come out with these new versions, they lead you to believe that these new versions are so much better, so much superior than the King James. When they say it's easier to read, easier to read than what? They're comparing it to the King James. When they say it's more modern, more modern than what? They're comparing it to the King James. They want to get you away from the King James. And I've been noticing this. There appears to be a movement of some kind that has been going on for years now that at all costs, they want to get Christians away from the King James Bible. And they will attack the King James Bible over and over and over. And they always attack it in the same way. They attack the these and the thous and the yees. And they use that as a way of beating you down and getting you not to use the King James Bible. I want to show you a commercial for one of these new versions that came out a couple of years ago. I want you to notice before you see this, and I'm calling, by the way, this is the fair use clause in the copyright, so don't worry about it. I'm using this under fair use. It's just a little portion of their commercial. 
It's called the Common English Bible. The Common English Bible. I want you to listen to these people. I want you to know, first of all, they are actors. They are actors acting. You're going to see them bring out the clapboard at the very beginning. They're acting. What are they acting out? They are acting out that, number one, they're trying to lead you to believe that the King James Bible is old Shakespearean language literature that needs to be thrown out. I want you to take notice of that. They're going to be interviewing an older lady. They're going to be interviewing a teenager. They're going to be interviewing a mid-aged lady. And they're even going so low that they're going to be having little children in this video pretending. Remember, they're all actors. Pretending that they can't read the Bible. I want you to see this. Check this out. Common English Bible, exit interview with Carol and Marker. Okay, Carol, so, so as you were saying a few minutes ago, how are you studying the Bible? Well, I'm trying to read it on my own at home because I don't make it to church every week. Um, I don't get out as much as I used to. Is that hard for you to study alone? Oh, yes, yes. Honestly, I've got a stack of novels by my bed, and I spend more time with them than I do with my Bible. Why is that? Well, the Bible just doesn't hold my attention the same way. I struggle with that. So you were comparing the Bible to books that, that you read at school. What, what did you mean by that? Well, in English class, we're reading uh, Shakespeare, and uh, <laughs> I hate reading that. I do. It's because nobody talks like that. You don't talk like that. I don't talk like that. So uh, if somebody were to hand me a Bible and I were to open it up and read, and thou shalt gather the spoil of it into the midst of the streets thereof, wherein thou shalt this. and that. I mean, I understand whether, you know, that's the language of the day, but I don't get it. And I'm not going to read that. I'm not. Our Bible study is pretty diverse. Um, we have people at different places in their faith. But when I'm leading a Bible study, I kind of need everybody to be on the same page, you know, for everyone to really get what I, what I just read. And in my opinion, for that to happen, we need a Bible that talks like we talk, you know, just everyday language. I just, I just think it would make my job so much easier. <laughs> he has abolished the law with its commandments and ordinances. He has abolished the law with its commandments and ordinances that he might create in himself one new humanity in place of the two. That was kind of hard to read. Now, I want you to hear all the arguments that were brought forth. They claimed, number one, the teenager. He says it's Shakespearean. He, had, he doesn't like reading Shakespeare. This King James Bible is not Shakespeare. 
but it's another way of putting down the King James Bible. Notice he made fun of the King James Bible by making up a verse in his head where he threw in a bunch of these and thous and things and it doesn't make any sense. Okay, He did it on purpose. He's an actor. His purpose was to turn you against this King James Bible. Then you have the lady that comes on that says that, no, she wants the Bible to unify. Well, guess what? We were unified when we all used this. The unification broke when the new Bible versions came in that are teaching something different. And the King James Bible people like myself said, we're going to stick with the word of God that was handed down to us from generation to generation. And the others said, they're going to go for these new Bible versions because they like how they read or like what they say or whatever. And they don't realize what happened to the people, for instance, who their favorite version was the Revised Standard Version. Well, the Revised Standard Version is out of print. It's gone. How about the American Standard Version? Those who love their American Standard Version. American Standard Version is out of print. They don't make it anymore. How about the original New International Version? People who love their original New International Version. The original New International Version is out of print. How about those that like the, uh, the New King James? Guess what? I'm going to show you a commercial from the people who made the New King James, who were behind the New King James, I should say. And I want you to hear with your own ears and see with your own eyes. These men tell you, by the time the New King James came off the presses, it was already out of date. They're going to tell you that. They're going to tell you, the New King James is not for today anymore. It's archaic now. The New King James came out in 1979. They said, it's outdated. You need to get another version now. What about those people who fell in love with their new King James? Now, the new King James is out of order. Not only is the English language changing, but the culture is changing. And uh, we need a, a translation that uh, the ordinary person on the street will understand. Uh, the Bible didn't intend that you had to be a, uh, a PhD in order to understand the Bible. It, it was intended for the ordinary person. And so uh, as the culture changes and as the language changes, uh, you'll find even the the uh, uh, updates like the new uh, uh, New King James Bible is already out of date, uh, even if in 30 years or so. The MEV sought to bring scholarship as well as the beauty of the King James together in such a way that it can it passed the King James forward in a way that brought it into modern English without losing any of the beauty of the translation. King James Version is very, very much anchored in our culture. A lot of people don't realize that, but idioms such as apple of my eye actually come from the King James translation. And there are a number of idioms that way in our, in our language. Yet, these things are slowly being lost and people aren't familiar with the fact that that comes from the Bible. And so the King James Version needed to be updated in a way that it's accessible to a modern audience. 
This is illustrated by the fact that the new King James came out in 1982. This was the first attempt, serious attempt, to bring it into modern English. Yet when that came off the presses, the English language had changed already so much so quickly and it continues to change so quickly that a new translation is now needed. It has been almost 30 years since the King, new King James came out. The MEV answers that call. Don't you see the pattern? They come up with a fake Bible version. They stand and walk all over the King James Bible to try to elevate their new Bible. They get you to fall in love with their new so-called modern Bible. They take your money. They take the next generation, put them on these new versions. And then a few years, 20, 30, 40 years down the road, that version that you fell in love with goes out of print. And they say, oh, by the way, we're coming back. We got another version for you to use now. And that one will last 20, 30, 40 years, and that goes out of print, and they come back to you again and say, hey, we got another new version for you now. It's even more modern than the last one that we made that we told you was modern. All the while, this King James Bible stays the same. Each new Bible version that comes out doesn't say the same thing as the last one that came out before it. There's something called the derivative copyright law. Under the derivative copyright law, it makes it clear that if you're writing a new book based upon an old book, the new book that you write have to contain significant changes. So many changes that your new version has to be classified as an entirely new work. So there is no such thing as an updated King James Bible that's still a King James Bible. Because according to the copyright law, if you're going to update this, your update has to be so far different from this that it's classified as an entirely new work. Or you can't get a copyright. And you'll notice this new King James, it's copywritten. The new international version, it's copywritten. Home and Standard Version, it's copywritten. You name the version, they're copywritten. If they're copywritten, they're not saying the same thing. They're teaching something different. Now, I want to show you how the new versions manipulate even the children. Remember the video we just saw there, the little Asian girl reading? I want you to take note of that video. Let's put it up on the screen. Notice she's holding... What we're led to believe is a Bible, right? Can somebody show me a Bible version that has a cover that doesn't have the name of the Bible version on it? Why would a company come out with a Bible that has a cover that doesn't have the name of the Bible version on it? Secondly, the little girl is reading quote-unquote, reading a verse from the Bible. Listen closely to what the little, little Asian child says. In himself one new human here, in place of the two. She said, one new human here. I went and checked... I can't find a single translation of the Bible that says that he may create one new human here. Not one. 
that says that. Actors. How many other Christians who saw that video? I read some of the comments of people who had watched that video on YouTube. And there's one guy that says, man, this is quickly becoming my favorite version. He doesn't realize he's been lied to. They got a kid up there holding a book in front of her face that has no writing on it. Clearly an actor because they had the clapperboard at the very beginning showing their actors. They're all standing in front of a white screen just like I'm behind a green screen right now or in front of a green screen. They're standing behind a white screen. It's all acting. They're all pretending. They're all pretending like they can't read it. They're all pretending like they can't understand the King James Bible. This Bible's been around over 400 years. There's hundreds of thousands of churches all over the world still using this King James Bible. There's tens of millions of Christians in the world still using this King James Bible, including myself. We have no problem understanding it. Yet according to that commercial, it's too hard to read. It's Elizabethan. It's, it's William Shakespeare, according to them. And then they bring the children in. And get the children to pretend that they can't read, giving you the impression, giving you the impression that they're reading the King James Version. That's what I want you to notice. They have the teenage kid attack the King James Bible. They have all of them claiming that they're, they need something that's easier to read and that unifies people. They're claiming the King James Bible is not a unifier. They claim in all this nonsense. Then they bring the little children in. They have them act like they can't read it, pretending they're reading from the King James Bible. But you can go back and play it. You can type what these kids said word for word into Google, and it'll show you. No Bible says that. Completely made it up. And they're making money. Selling that common English edition to unsuspecting Christians who think they're actually getting a modernized Bible. And they don't realize there is no more modern version of the Bible than this King James. And I'm going to show you the proof. Over 400 years. Let me show you this here. Some of you who have seen some of my earlier videos, I've shown you this. This here is Holy Bible. They didn't call them King James Versions back then. This name King James Version didn't come along till far later. But this is my more than 300-year-old Holy Bible. And even though it's over 300 years old, printed in the year 1708, this Holy Word of God reads word for word with this King James Almost 300 years between the two, they say the same thing. They teach the same thing. Why? Because God's word doesn't change. God's word doesn't change. It doesn't need to be modernized. It doesn't need to be updated. He said what he meant. And he had the men write down what he said. And he never gave us the authorization to come in and change what he said. Because we don't like it or don't agree with it, or think it's too hard to read or too hard to understand. I'm going to tell you, there's nothing that's really too hard to understand. If you're willing to take the time to do the research and the study, you can understand even things that you consider as too hard to understand. I recently started doing some uh, research into quantum computers. You want to have your head bubble? Start researching quantum computers 
and what these things are capable of doing and watch your brain just bubble in your head. But as you learn, you'll learn that even the quantum stuff, the quantum mechanics, quantum physics, quantum computers, you study it enough, you'll start to put two and two together and understand what's going on, even though you're dealing with some really advanced stuff there. Now, you heard them say in that video, nobody talks like the King James Bible. Nobody talks like that. We don't talk like that. We need a Bible that talks like we talk. Okay. I want to show you that you have been speaking in King James English all your life. You just didn't know that these terms and phrases came from the King James Bible. So let me read off some. Ever hear somebody use the expression, a law unto himself? That came from the King James Bible. A man after his own heart. That came from the King James Bible. The term, a stumbling block? That came from the King James Bible. Like a thief in the night. That expression came from the King James Bible over 400 years ago. Like a thief in the night. A thorn in the flesh. Being all things to all men. That came from the King James Bible. I'm sure we've all heard this one. At your wit's end. That came from the King James Bible. Bottomless pit. We've all used bottomless pit. That came from the King James Bible too. Let's see. A den of thieves. That's a King James Bible phrase. Eat, drink, and be merry. That came from the King James Bible. An eye for an eye. We've all used these expressions. Fallen from grace. We've all used these expressions. These all came from the King James Bible. Fell by the wayside. These are all expressions that came from the King James Bible. Fell flat on his face. That came from the King James Bible too. Fight the good fight. King James Bible. I'm sure we've all heard this one. God forbid. That came from the King James Bible too. And I know you guys have heard this one. Holier than thou. That came from the King James Bible too. How the mighty have fallen is another term that we get from the King James Bible that we use to this day. But they say, oh, this King James Bible, it's not modern. We don't talk like that. Really? Are you sure we don't talk like that? With all of these expressions that I'm reading off here that came from the King James Bible, let's take a look at some more here. In the twinkling of an eye. That came from the King James Bible. The left hand know what thy right hand is doing. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. That came from the King James Bible. There's more. Let's see. Money. The love of money is the root of all evil. Mm -hmm. That came from the King James Bible. Am I my brother's keeper? That came from the King James Bible. Out of the mouth of babes came from the King James Bible. Putting words in her mouth. Ever hear somebody say, don't put words in my mouth? They're talking to King James. That came from the King James Bible. 
I heard a politician use this in an interview just a couple of days ago. Scapegoat. Scapegoat. That term came from the King James Bible. Seek and ye shall find. Came from the King James Bible. Set thine house in order. That's a King James Bible term. A wolf in sheep's clothing. That's a King James Bible term, guys. You ever hear somebody saying the, something to take root? Take root? That's a King James Bible term. The blind lead the blind. These are all expressions you and I have used all our lives that came from the King James Bible, but you were never told that you're talking King James when you're using these terms. Can a leopard change his spots? That came from the King James Bible. The lost sheep. That came from the King James Bible. The powers that be. That's another expression that came from the King James Bible. A sign of the times. Don't tell me we don't talk like the King James Bible. You see, they throw in your face, thee, thou, and ye, and they ignore all of these terms and expressions that we use every single day of our lives. Some of these expressions on a daily basis we're using, and they never tell you. That's a King James Bible phrase you use there. By the skin of my teeth. Another King James Bible phrase. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. That's a King James Bible phrase, guys. Let's see. To give is better than to receive. That's a King James Bible phrase, guys. Turn the other cheek. That's a King James Bible phrase. Turn the world upside down. That came from the King James Bible, too. Two are better than one. That came from the King James also. Two-edged sword. Another King James Bible phrase that we tend to use. Vengeance is mine. That came from the King James Bible, guys. White as snow is another King James Bible phrase. And I'll give you one last one. I'm sure we've all heard this one as well. Woe is me. Yep. All of these terms, and that's just a short list. There's a lot of stuff in the King James Bible. Terms, expressions. How many of you use the word stuff? Stuff. Is that your stuff? Grab me my stuff. Get that stuff over there. We use stuff all the time. Guess what? That's a King James Bible word. Over 400 year old word. We use it every day. People who hate the King James Bible have used these same terms and expressions. But they tell you, oh, we, we don't talk like that anymore. That's why we need a new version. I mean, you don't talk like the King James Bible. I just gave you, what, about 20 or so expressions from the King James Bible that we all use. So they tell you nobody talks like a King James Bible. I've already shown you that we actually do. They say that the... You can't understand the King James Bible because it uses words like thee and thou and ye. I've explained to you why those words are used and why they're important. And hopefully I'm showing you also that this King James Bible, even though it's over 400 years old, it is still as modern as anything. 
God's word doesn't get old. It doesn't rust. It doesn't decay. It doesn't change. My faith was built up very, very strongly when I got this over 300-year-old King James Bible and began to, to read it. And yes, it can be read. Don't let anybody tell you that the King James Version is too hard to read. It's not hard to read. They spelt words a little funny back then because the English language was pretty new back then. And there were no real uniform ways of spelling various different words. So you might have one word that's spelled a whole bunch of different ways, but you still know what the word is. So it's not really hard to read. There are some things, though, and you will see here how many words that these new Bible versions take out that have nothing to do with thee or thou or ye or being archaic, but these are words of doctrine. Remember they tried to tell us when they're promoting these new Bible versions, trying to get you to leave the King James to go for one of these new versions. They try to tell you, oh, don't worry, there's no, no doctrine's been changed. Yes, it has. A lot of doctrine's been changed. And it's getting worse with each new version that comes out. I want to mention some words here and how many times they're taking out of these various different versions. And remember what God warned about. Don't add to his words. Don't take away from his words. Or he's going to judge you. Don't worry about me judging you. God's going to judge you. You're using a Bible version that's taken words out of God's holy word. They're putting words in that God never said. They're going to answer to God for that. Because if I can use a King James Bible phrase, they're putting words in his mouth that he didn't say. If God didn't say it, it's not God's words. The New International Version removes it 25 times. The New American Standard Version removes the name Christ 34 times. The New King James removes the name Christ once. The Revised Standard Version removes the name Christ 32 times. And the New Revised Standard Version removes the name Christ 87 times. Do you believe that the word Christ is important to have in the Bible? Obviously, these versions don't. How about the word Lord? Capital L-O-R-D. New International Version removes the word Lord 352 times. New American Standard, 438 times. The New King James, which they claim is a modernized King James Version, but it's not. The New King James removes the word Lord 66 times. The Revised Standard removes the word Lord 36 times. The New Revised Standard removes it 91 times. The New Century Edition removes the word Lord 299 times. And the so-called Living Bible removes the word Lord 2,368 times. How about the name of Jesus? I believe the name of Jesus should be in the Bible every single time it's supposed to be in the Bible. There is no name greater. But the makers of these new Bible versions don't have that same reverence for the Lord Jesus Christ. So the name of Jesus in the New International Version has been removed 292 times. 292 times the name of Jesus has been taken out of the New International Version. New American Standard Version removes it 64 times. The New King James removes it two times. The Revised Standard removes it 53 times. The New Revised Standard removes it six, oh, sorry, adds it 16 times. So they're adding now adding the name where it wasn't there 
Others are taking the name out when it was there. Now, how are you making the Bible easier to read and easier to understand? I've heard ministers say, hey, you can take a whole bunch of versions, set them side to side, and it'll really enhance your Bible study. How? When the King James Bible is saying these words and these other Bibles are taking the word out, and then you have others that are throwing the words in when they're not supposed to be in. That's not a confusion to me when there was a time when we all were unified behind one Bible. We all spoke the same thing. Now all the churches, a lot of the churches, and a lot of Christians have been divided because of these new Bible versions of what they're doing. The word hell. Hell is doctrine in the King James Bible. They say no doctrine has been changed in the new versions, yet here we have New International Version removes hell 40 times, New American Standard removes it 41 times, the New King James removes it 22 times, the Revised Standard removes it 41 times, the New Revised Standard also removes it 41 times, the New Century Version removes hell 39 times, and the Living One adds the word 13 times. So they're throwing it in when it's not supposed to be in, others are taking it out when it is supposed to be in. They take heaven out a bunch of times. Heaven, in the New National Version, taken out 160 times. American Standard Version removes heaven 127 times. New King James removes heaven 50 times. We're going to get on that New King James in a few minutes. I'm going to show you what it really is. It's going to shock you guys to find out what the New King James actually is. We're going to jump to some of these others here. How about the blood, the blood of Christ? The blood that was shed for us, for our sins. Well, guess what? The blood... New International Version removes it 41 times. New American Standard removes it 39 times. New King James removes the blood 23 times. In these other versions, you see how many times they take it out. Even with the Living Version, taking out the blood 174 times from the Bible. They say no doctrine's been changed. How can you not change doctrine when you're taking out these words? Words like Jesus, Lord, God, Christ, Heaven, Hell, and so forth. How can they say doctrine's not being affected when they're taking these words out? Salvation gets taken out. Salvation, guys, getting saved, getting your sins forgiven. Salvation taken out the New International Version 42 times. The New American Standard takes it out four times. The New King James removes it two times. Revised Standard removes it 33 times. New Revised Standard removes it 37 times. So in the new one, they take it out even more. Notice that? Revised Standard takes it out 33 times. Then they come out with the New Revised Standard and takes it out four more times. And they say, hey, we're just making it easier to read. No, you're not. No, you're not. The New Century Version removes salvation 94 times from the Bible. Kind of hard to get saved when salvation gets taken out of your Bible. I'm telling you guys, this war is serious. This war is serious. Remember I told you earlier, they tell you, you really want to learn the Bible? Take a bunch of versions, set them side by side, and you'll really learn. No. You get yourself a King James Bible, you understand the rule, and you'll learn from here, like we always have, like the generations before us did. This is where you get your word from. You don't need a so-called modern version. They say the new versions are better than the King James Bible. Make the Bible easier to understand. Is that right? Ugh. 
In Psalms 10, 4 through 5, this is what the King James Bible says. And I want to show you how the new Bible versions don't make it easier to understand because they're literally teaching the opposite of what was handed down to us. Let me just give you a quick example because I got something to jump on as we're about to approach one hour of this video. I need to jump on this new King James and expose this for you before we shut it down, so hang tight. Psalms 10, 4 through 5. The wicked through pride of his uh, continence will not seek after God. God is not in his thoughts. His ways are always grievous. Thy judgments are far above out of his sight. As for all his enemies, he puffeth at them. Now I want you to notice verse 5 said, His ways are always grievous. Grievous is not a good thing. The New King James changes that to always prospering. Does grievous and prospering mean the same thing? No. American Standard Version. His ways are firm at all times. It's not saying the same thing. New American Standard Version. Prosperous at all times. The Bible in basic English says his ways are ever fixed. That's not grievous. Grievous is is rough. It's hard. They're giving you a different definition for this word that means the opposite of what the Bible is supposed to say. The the so-called modern King James Version says his ways are always perverted. Well, that's a perverted and grievous is not the same thing, guys. (laughs) It's not the same thing. It's not the same thing. In the NIV, his ways are always prosperous. The King James Bible says his ways are grievous. The makers of the new Bible versions don't want you to know. They, they want you to think that the oldest manuscripts are the best manuscripts. And they classify these oldest manuscripts as, well, the Roman Catholic ones called Vaticanus and Sinaiticus. This is the rub. This is where we're headed, folks. This is the thing that makes you sweat because you know you're venturing into deep water when you're venturing here because you're dealing with some very, very sinister people with sinister ideas and goals for you know, Bible-believing Christians like me. When we begin to do the research into these new Bible versions and where they came from, they always lead back to the same place. The Roman Catholic Church. The Roman Catholic Church presents itself as a Christian religion. They put up their icons and their images and their statues, things like that. They want you to think that it's a a Christian religion. But for those who've done research to the history and background of the Roman Catholic Church, it begins to become very clear very quickly that one of the greatest opposers of Bible Christianity has been the Roman Catholic Church. So much blood has been shed 
people burned to the stake, choked, strangled, drowned, buried alive, all kinds of stuff. For what? They didn't want the Bible in the hands of the common man. They didn't want the average Joe, the average Sally, the average you with a Bible in your hand. Because if you have a King James Bible, which was the one that they were at war with, when King James took the throne in England, they didn't like King James. They wanted him out of the way. I want to show you a quick video. We need to learn about the history of our Bible and where it came from so that we don't take for granted what's going on here because there's a, there's a war going on right now in religion to try to get Christians at all cost to leave the King James Bible to follow any of the other Bible versions. And what I'm learning and what others are learning is that this is very clearly appears to be a way of trying to lead all the religions into the Roman Catholic Church. It sounds a little crazy for some, but you'll learn that there's something out there called the ecumenical movement. This thing has been around for quite a while now. And the leader of this ecumenical movement is the Roman Catholic Church, where they want to try to merge all the religions together in this big show of unity where the Roman Catholic Church sits at the top of it all. And everybody comes to Rome and unifies. That's been the plan that they've been orchestrating. You can see videos here of how the Roman Catholic Church have sent their people out. Their people would go out. They would pose as Christian leaders to gain your trust. They may even get to high positions in various different Protestant denominations. And then once they get to those high positions, one of the first things to go is the King James Bible. They kick the King James out. They bring the other versions in. And then they report back to Rome, mission accomplished. This denomination is now under your control. Even though the people in the denomination don't know it yet, it's under your control now. I'm going to show you some evidence for this. This video I'm about to show you, I want you to listen to the names of the men. I want you to listen to the denominations that they're in charge of. The denominations that they're in charge of. All of these men are going to be reporting to the Pope. You're going to see the Pope standing there with his men behind him. These men who are supposed to be Protestant leaders of these various different denominations, you're going to see them walk up to the Pope, take the Pope by his hand. Some are even going to be bowing down to the Pope. The whole, you're going to see it all. All of these men, supposed to be Protestant Christian men, all going up and paying homage, worship toward the Pope. Just, just watch this video. Check it out. May I present President Dr. Donald McCoyce, representing the presiding Bishop Mark Hansen of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. May I present Bishop Jeremiah J. Park, Bishop of the New York Annual Conference of the United Methodist Church. May I present Reverend Wesley Granberg Michelson, the General Secretary of the Reformed Church in America. 
Your Holiness, may I present Reverend Dr. Clifton Kirkpatrick, the stated clerk of the General Assembly of the Presbyterian Church in the United States. Your Holiness, may I present Reverend Dr. William J. Shaw, President of the National Baptist Convention, United States. Your Holiness, may I present Bishop James Leggett, General Superintendent of the International Pentecost Holiness Church. Your Holiness, may I present Dr. Leith Anderson, President of the National Association of Evangelicals. Your Holiness, may I present Bishop David H. Benke, President of the Atlantic District of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. The movement is real, folks. All these denominations that you just saw there, all these leaders that are over these denominations, how many of those denominations that were mentioned still use this King James Bible? Remember, there was a time when we all were unified behind this King James Bible. But the one group that's always hated this King James Bible and wanted to stop it was the Catholic Church. There was a time when the only ones that had Bibles were the religious class. The religious class of people, priests, rabbis, those that were in those positions, they would have the scriptures. If you wanted to know what the scriptures had to say, you had to go to them. And they would always put their spin on whatever the scripture had to say. There were some people who rose up and said, you know what? The people deserve to have the Bible in their own hands so they can know what it really says. And there were several that rose up to translate the Bible to their common language. And whenever the Catholic Church found these men, they would arrest them, sometimes put them on trial, maybe sometimes not bother, and kill them. They did not want the Bible in the hands of the common man. In many cases, they would kill them and burn their Bibles as well. It's important that we understand that. That's what's been happening. That's what their history is. They can't change it. That's how it's been. I don't understand why any group would want to be returning to Rome, want to be going back to the Catholic Church, when you understand the history and background of the Catholic Church and the things that have happened there. You have a Bible in your hand, a Bible in your home, a Bible in your car, a Bible in your possession. You should be thanking King James. Not cursing King James. You see, the Catholic Church had controlled England for a long time, and then King James came along. He had it on his heart that the Bible should be in the hands of the common man, not just in the hands of the religious class. So he had it on his heart to make that happen. The Catholic Church, once they got wind of what's going on, they wanted to try to cut it off, to nip it at the bud. As I mentioned earlier, any time they ran into somebody that was trying to get the Bible into the hands of the common man, they didn't want to tolerate that. They didn't show tolerance toward King James and his differing views than theirs, no. They set out to kill King James to prevent this. It became known 
as the gunpowder plot. But by far, the most nefarious conspiracy the Jesuits set forth during the Middle Ages was the gunpowder plot of 1605. The gunpowder plot came about because when Elizabeth I died in 1603, Rome was very interested to have a Catholic monarch on the throne. And the Pope at the time sent the Jesuit provincial father Henry Garnett uh, of England uh, two bulls which set out this strategy and, uh, and urged him to ensure that uh, no one should ascend the throne of England unless they declared themselves to be a faithful Roman Catholic. What happened of course was that James I when he ascended the throne he declared himself to be a Protestant and therefore uh, Rome decided that he had to be removed. The instrument Rome would employ to get rid of the new king was a Spanish soldier named Guy Fox, a man whose name is remembered every year to this day as the English burn effigies of him on Guy Fox night. Why? because Fox planted some 36 barrels of gunpowder beneath the Houses of Parliament, intending to blow up King James and the entire government of England. Out of the chaos that would follow, Rome and her Jesuit order had planned to re-establish control of the country. Well, Guy Fawkes was, um, I think, what we would call a Jesuit coagitator. He wasn't uh, a Jesuit priest, as such, to my knowledge, but he was a um, he was a professional mercenary soldier, and he had uh, fought in the Catholic army of Spain. Fox was discovered just moments before detonating the gunpowder, in what the English people clearly saw as an act of God. Fox was publicly executed as was his fellow conspirator, the Jesuit provincial, Henry Garnett. But Garnett was not the only Jesuit to be involved in the plot. At the trial, the esteemed lawyer, Sir Edward Coke, said, I never knew a treason without a Romish priest, but in this there are very many Jesuits who are known. Garnett in England, Cresswell in Spain, Baldwin in Flanders, Parsons at Rome. So the principal offenders are the seducing Jesuits, men that use the most sacred and blessed name of Jesus as a mantle to cover all manner of wickedness. Tupper Saucy writes that during this era, the play Macbeth by William Shakespeare was actually a so-called powder play commemorating the gunpowder plot, and that Macbeth is an elaborate condemnation of the Jesuits as Satanists, murderers, and witches. But the year before the Jesuit plan was overthrown, Puritan leader John Reynolds had proposed that a new Bible translation be set forth. King James gave his approval, and the work began on the King James Bible. Was it just a coincidence that one year later the gunpowder treason took place? Certainly an expected outcome of a successful plot would be that all work on the 
a new Bible translation which was taking place at that time, that started in 1604, that all that work would be terminated and terminated permanently. There's no doubt in my mind that uh, that is um, what the Jesuits intended as well. But by the grace of God, the gunpowder plot was overthrown and King James would survive to see the famous Bible that would bear his name come to completion. What we're going to be doing now, we're going to begin to wind things down, but I do need to talk about another deceptive translation that's out there today. It's called the New King James. The New King James Version. Now, remember I mentioned earlier, again, New King James here. This is a New King James here. This is a New King James here. This is another New King James. Now, why do I have four of them? You're going to see why in just a moment. First of all, where did these new Bible versions come from? We're going to put a chart on your, on your screen real quick. And we're going to show you really quickly where these new Bible versions come from. And I'm just trying to solidify the ground for you so you can walk on it and understand why I take the stand that I take for the King James Bible and stand by this. On your screen, you have a chart. On this chart, on the left-hand side, it says Antioch. On the right-hand side, it says Alexandria. Those are two places where New Testament manuscripts were found. The Antioch side, you notice it says there 5,210 MSS. That's 5,210 manuscripts of the New Testament found in Antioch. The King James Bible let us know that we were first called Christians at Antioch. Antioch is where we were first called Christians. And the people who were there, they took the originals of the New Testament and they made copies of them and copies of the copies and copies of the copies of the copies. And they kept copying them over so that every generation would have a copy of the New Testament. Now, this is important. The King James Bible tells us that the words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord, thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. The King James Bible lets us know that God promised that he would preserve his words from the time it was written forever. He would always make sure that his words were available for people to have. The makers of the new Bible versions would lead you to believe that God's word got lost somewhere and that they're gradually finding it here and there in bits and pieces and fragments of manuscripts that they're finding in some of the most strangest and obscure places. The Antioch manuscripts, by the time they got down to translating the King James Bible, they had gathered 5,200 plus manuscripts out of Antioch. Over 5,000 that tells you what the New Testament is supposed to say. That's a lot of confidence when you have all these manuscripts and they're agreeing with each other, saying, this is what the verse says, this is what the verse says, oh, okay, this is what the verse says, this is what, boom, it's copies of the copies of the copies. They're in agreement with each other. From the Antioch manuscripts, we get Bibles like the, the excuse me, the Tyndale Bible, the Coverdale Bible, Matthew's Bible, the Great Bible, the Geneva Bible, the Bishop's Bible, and the King James. 
These great Bibles that were used by the men of old preaching the word of God all come from this long line out of Antioch for their New Testament. People ask me, where was the Bible before 1611, before the King James Bible? You know what I do? I hold up my King James. It's right in here. Because the King James translators, if you read the front, the forward, where they have like the the um, letters to the, the readers or something, where the, the translators have a, a, a section in the front where the translators are writing a little message to those that will be reading the King James Bible. They let you know it's translated from the manuscripts and they had the earlier translations that came from these same manuscripts with them. So as they were translating, if the Matthew's Bible had a great translation of this verse, it'll be brought right into the King James. If the Geneva Bible had a great translation of this verse, it'll be brought right into the King James. If the Tyndale Bible had a great translation of that verse, it'll be brought right into the King James. It's in here. This is not some rogue Bible that came out of nowhere. This is a collection of all of those earlier translations combined. We have it all right here. A long line of Bible man, uh, Bibles translated from the same manuscripts gathered together into one book for all of us to read. It's a unified message from Genesis to Revelation. Over 5,000 manuscripts out of Antioch. Now notice the list stops at the King James. Why? Because the new Bible versions don't come from the Antioch manuscripts. Look on your other side, you see Alexandria. Notice it says 45 MSS. Only 45 manuscripts were found at the time this chart's put together. 45. The new Bible versions are translated from a teeny tiny minuscule amount of manuscripts. 45 versus 5,200 plus. They want you to believe that these new Bible versions are better, have more information, have more reliable, better manuscripts than the one that's translated from over 5,000 manuscripts. They're translated, according to this, less than 100, less than 50 manuscripts. How are they better? And of the ones that they have, the manuscripts that they have contradict each other over and over and over and over again. The Alexandrian side. I want you to notice, go down a little bit, you'll see Vaticanus, MSS, 331 AD. Vaticanus is a Roman Catholic manuscript. The root word is Vatican. It was found in the library of the Pope of Rome. The Vaticanus manuscript. It's old? Yeah, it's old. It sat on the shelf for a long time. Nobody was using it. You set any book on the shelf for a long time, it's going to get old. That doesn't mean it's the best. It just means nobody was using it. It sat on the shelf. Why wasn't anybody using it? Because it wasn't the Word of God. That's why. The Antioch manuscripts were being used. That's why they had to keep copying them over and over and over and over and over. They were being used and getting worn out and getting used and getting worn out. These other ones, they sat on the shelf. Nobody's using them. They wasn't the Word of God. You see also, underneath of that, Sinaiticus. That's another Roman Catholic manuscript found at a, a Roman Catholic monastery called St. Catherine's by a man by the name of Constantine Tischendorf. This manuscript here, Tischendorf admits he found this manuscript in the garbage. It was in the trash. Why was it in the trash? Because it wasn't any good. 
it was garbage. They threw it in the trash. It was supposed to have been used for kindling, for burning. To keep the monks warm. They were going to use it to burn. Burn wood and stuff to keep themselves warm. It was a manuscript that was never, ever, ever meant to be used for a Bible. That's why they threw it away. Tischendorf comes along, takes it out of their trash. He thinks he's found treasure. And if you're walking around, I, I, I'm, I, I'm just going to break it down basic. If you're walking around today using any of the new Bible versions, any of them that came out since 1881, you're using a Bible version that is translated from this manuscript that was found in the garbage. That's why they don't say the same thing this King James Bible says. These manuscripts were altered by the Catholic Church to try to make them agree more with the Catholic belief system. And as their beliefs changed, they would keep changing the manuscripts. That there's a lot of rewrites, there's a lot of overwrites, there's a lot of corrections made on those manuscripts. Now, we talked about the gunpowder plot earlier, where King James had it on his heart to have the Bible in the hands of the common man. The Catholic Church, not liking King James, wanted him out of the picture. They tried to assassinate him. Their assassination attempt failed. They wanted to stop people from having the Bible in their hands. But something came along that got in the way. It's called the printing press. The printing press came, and now Bibles were being piped out so quick the Catholic Church couldn't find them all and burn them all. They couldn't keep up. So the old adage, if you can't beat them, join them, sort of kicked in. And the Catholic Church appeared to have decided that what they will do is since the people want Bibles, they'll give you Bibles. From their Catholic manuscripts, they'll give you Bibles. Hundreds and hundreds of Bibles. So that there's so many Bibles out there, people will go, eh, I don't know which one's the one, so uh, why bother? There'll be so many of them out there that when a Christian tries to debate against an atheist or somebody else, and you say, well, you know, the Bible says blah, 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 the atheist just looks at you and says, which one? There's over 200 of them. It's embarrassing that so many ministers, Bible teachers, evangelists, and all have not stood up and said enough of these new Bibles already. They have so muddied the waters that people are walking around today not having a single clue what God's Word has to say and not even caring anymore because this version says God's Word says this, this version says God's Word says that, this version here says all those other ones are wrong, this one's right, this one over here says this one's all wrong, this one's right. And there's been one that's been saying the same thing for over 400 years. And for some reason, ministers are turning their people away from this King James Bible. And I'm trying to understand why. I'm trying to understand why. This Bible hasn't hurt anybody. It might hurt your pride. Because it tells it like it is. But this Bible... A lot of people gave their lives to get you this book. Nobody died to get you an NIV or a New American Standard or a Revised Standard or a Century Edition or Common English or anything else. Those are all offsprings from the Roman Catholic manuscripts. Now, how were they going to do this? Again, how was the Catholic Church going to get Christians to lead the King James to go after Bible versions that have their roots with the Catholic Church? We see here on the list here, as you scroll down, Westcott and Hort. See here? Westcott and Hort, Greek N.T., 1881 AD. This is how they did it. 
In the 1800s, two men, Brooke Westcott and Fenton John Anthony Hort, these were Greek scholars, but they were not Christians. Very important. Greek scholars, but not Christians. They have writings that they left behind in which they spelled out exactly what their views were about Christianity. They believed the Roman Catholic Church was the right way. They said so in their writings. They said that we who are Christians, Bible-believing Christians who stick with that Bible that's translated from the Textus Receptus, that's the Antioch manuscripts from the chart called the Textus Receptus. They said those who are fond of the Textus Receptus were a bunch of perverts, were perverted. That's what they said in their writings. They considered us as perverted because we didn't go along with the Catholic system. They were determined they were going to change that. And how were they going to change it? They were going to change it by writing an entirely brand new New Testament in Greek. And since they were classified as Greek scholars, they would take their altered New Testament of the Greek in Greek and give it to the scholars of their day to try to pass it off as being a more modern, updated revision of the New Testament. And the scholars of their day accepted Westcott and Hort's counterfeit New Testament manuscripts as being genuine. And in 1881, to this day and beyond, all the new Bible versions, their New Testaments, come from Vaticanus, Roman Catholic, Sinaiticus, Roman Catholic, and then you have Westcott and Hort, who took Vaticanus and Sinaiticus and others and brought them all together to come out with their own counterfeit New Testament Greek manuscript known as the Westcott and Hort New Testament Manuscript. When you look in these new Bible versions, if they tell you what manuscript series they come from, some of them will admit they come from Westcott and Hort. They just don't tell you who Westcott and Hort are. Over the years, the Westcott and Hort manuscript has been revised. When somebody comes along and revises a manuscript, they want to put their own name on it. They don't want Westcott and Hort's name to get the credit. They want to get the credit. So what they do when they revise Westcott and Hort's manuscript, remember, Westcott and Hort's manuscript is a revised version of the Catholic manuscripts. When they revise Westcott and Hort's manuscript, they want to put their own name on it. So you'll find a Westcott and Hort manuscript called the... Nessel Aland manuscripts. Nessel Allen is a revised version of the Westcott and Hort, which is a revised version of the Catholic manuscripts. United Bible Society manuscripts is a revised version of the Westcott and Hort, which is a revised version of the Catholic manuscripts. Okay? American Bible Society is a revised version of, which is a, see what I'm saying? It's the same pattern going back to the Roman Catholic Church. So it doesn't matter what new version you use, you're using a Bible version that has its roots with the Catholic Church. The King James Bible stands alone as not having that connection. So they don't care what new version you use as long as you're not using the King James because all the other versions are going to ultimately lead you to Rome. That's not where you want to go. You want to go to Christ. You'll notice how a lot of these uh, TV preachers now are, are pumping up Rome and talking about Rome, how we need to unify with all these other religions and things. And The King James Bible warns there is coming a world religion. There's one coming where everybody's going to be worshiping the same thing. But the God they choose to worship is not going to be the God of this book. The God that they choose to worship is going to be a God that's going to see Christians as the enemy and they will kill Christians and believe that they're doing their God a service by doing so. This King James Bible says. 
And that's pretty interesting because if you look at the, the history of the Catholic Church, they would kill Christians and believe that they're doing the work of their God by burning Christians to the stake for simply taking the Bible and translating it into the common tongue of the people. They believe they're doing their God a service by attempting to assassinate the king because he had it on his heart to translate the Bible and put it into the hands of the common man. Maybe that's trying, you know, why they're trying to get you away from the King James because it, it unveils these things. I want to jump on this new King James really quick and let you guys know what's going on. A lot of people left the King James when these new Bibles versions started coming in because they, they fell for the advertising. The advertising is very seductive, easy to read, easy to understand, all this. They never tell you what the real bottom line is. So I'm trying to put together this video to explain that. A lot of people left. In the uh, 1970s, you had the New International Version that came out. A lot of people left for the New International Version. Now they're sure, sure, they're a little bummed out now because the New International Version is out of print. It's, it's, they've moved on to the next new version of the New International Version. All the while, King James Bible stayed the same. Stayed the same. There's a movement out to try to get people away from the King James Bible, and one of the new tactics that they tried was, hey, let's come out with a new version and call it a new King James. For the purpose of taking Christians who believe in the King James and lead them to believe that they've come up with a modernized King James Bible. They consider it modernized because they said they took out the these and the thous and the yees. Well, we mentioned earlier why those words need to be in the Bible. How were they able to seduce people to get them away from the King James to follow this counterfeit? This here is a perfect... It's a perfect bait-and-switch Bible. It's the perfect bait-and-switch Bible. What do I mean by that? This is what I mean by that. They call it the New King James. They lead you to believe that this is just a modernized King James Version. And then they make changes behind your back without telling you. They attack the King James Bible with the New King James. And I'm going to show you what they said the real purpose of the New King James was. In 1982, they came out with what's called the King James, New King James Parallel Bible. It's on your screen. On the back of that King James, New King James Parallel Bible, last paragraph, this is what it says. Listen very closely. For those of you who think that this New King James was designed in order to help you build your faith in Jesus Christ through an easier understanding of the King James Bible, a so-called modern King James I want you to hear from their own book what they said the real purpose of the New King James is. Watch. It says, Nelson's KJV NKJV Parallel Bible with center column references is also a great way to enjoy and compare the beauty and accuracy of both the enduring King James Version and the outstanding New King James Version without having two Bibles open. And this is the perfect transition Bible. If you are thinking about moving from the classic King James to a modern translation. 
the perfect transition Bible. For those who are thinking about moving from the classic King James, that's why they made this. They didn't make this to build your faith in Jesus Christ through the King James Bible. They made this to destroy your faith in the King James Bible so that you'll be free and open to use the new versions. That's why they did it. Now, how were they going to get you to use the new versions by coming up with a so-called new King James? Here's how they did it. This one here is a 1979 edition. I want you to notice here in this 1979 edition some important things. First of all, we'll put it on your screen here. 1979 edition, New King James. They mention a little bit about Westcott and Hort. Now, I just mentioned to you about Westcott and Hort and who these guys are. They hated the King James Bible. They hated Christians. They, they believed we were wrong because we're not part of the Catholic Church. Here's what it says here on page Roman numeral V of the 1979 New King James Version. It says, It is commonly known that nearly all modern English translations of the New Testament are derived from a type of Greek text advanced by Brooke F. Westcott and Fenton J. Hort and others of the 19th century. The Westcott and Hort theory has been a leading view of textual critics and translators since that time. Although there are not massive differences between the two textual foundations of the New Testament, the net effect of the Westcott and Hort type of text is to delete many words, phrases, and verses that are found in the authorized version. You see, their technique was to delete from the Bible. All the new Bibles, New Testaments, come from a variation of Westcott and Hort. These were demonic men who hated the God of heaven. And they decided to attack his people by changing the Bible. And they admit it in the New King James of 1979 that their technique was to delete verses from the Bible. Delete words from the Bible, verses from the Bible, phrases from the Bible. It goes on to say the publishers are familiar with the issues of the continuing discussion between textual critics. Recently, there has been a growing concern among reputable New Testament scholars that the 19th century text suffers from over-revision and that the traditional Greek text is much more reliable than previously supposed. Well, wait a minute here. The traditional Greek text? That's the Antioch text. The King James Bible text. They're saying it's more reliable than the ones that they're using now. They're not telling you that today, are they? No. They got you using Westcott and Hort. But remember what I told you. This is the perfect bait and switch Bible. This new King James. 
follow along. Look at what they're going to do. It says, We have confidence, therefore, in presenting the New King James New Testament without subjecting it to structure of the newer critical text. So they're saying they're coming out with this New King James without subjecting it to the structure of the newer critical text. They're saying they're coming out with the New King James without subjecting it to Westcott and Hort and Nestle Allen, which comes from the Westcott and Hort, or the United Bible Society, which comes from Westcott and Hort, which comes from the Catholic Church. So they're saying this New King James, don't worry about it, King James lovers, no problem. You're not going to have to worry about Westcott and Hort with us. That was 1979. In this 1979 edition, I want you to notice there are no footnotes, there are no commentary, there is no concordance, there is no cross-references, it's just chapters and verses all the way through, all the way to the back. Last part of the book of Revelation, and it ends. Okay? This was the bait. They lured Christians away from the King James Bible with this bait. Now comes the switch. This 1979 edition was just the New Testament. 1982, they come out with this. This is the New King James, the full edition, Old Testament and New. Remember they just said in 1979, they were not going to subject you to the textual criticism of the critical text of Westcott and Hort. But what you will notice with this 1982 New King James. I got to put it really close on the screen. Notice down here there's footnotes now. There's footnotes on the bottoms. Not probably, probably doing too much uh, good on this camera here, but you will notice there are footnotes now that are appearing on the bottom of various pages of the New Testament. Footnotes are now popping up. We're going to put it on the screen to show you a couple because this is what they did. Bait and switch. They said this was not going to be subject to the textual critics. 1982, they come out with this and they put footnotes in here. The footnotes that are in here says in you. They tell you in the front that the NU represents Nestle Aland manuscript and the United Bible Society manuscripts. Now what are those? Westcott and Hort. So they take what they're telling you is a modernized King James. They alter the verses and then they put footnotes at the bottom from the Roman Catholic manuscripts that contradict the verses. And these footnotes 
are designed in such a way as to say the NU omits this. So you're reading a verse, and it says one thing. You see the footnote marker. You look down the bottom of the page, and it says these manuscripts omit this. These manuscripts don't even say that. These manuscripts don't say that. These manuscripts don't say that. The King James says it, but these manuscripts don't say it. And they don't tell you. They're quoting the Catholic manuscripts. It's the Catholic manuscripts that don't say it. It's not the Antioch manuscripts that doesn't say it. Remember, over 5,000 manuscripts, King James Bible, less than 50 manuscripts for the New Bible versions puts those together. They're trying to convince you that people were adding stuff to the King James Bible. But in 1979, they admitted to you that Westcott and Hort was taking stuff out. Verses, phrases, words. Now they come at you in 1982 with this new King James, and they have Westcott and Hort, Nestle Allen, United Bible Society, Roman Catholic footnotes at the bottom, saying, this manuscript omits this, this manuscript omits this. Here's a list. Look at how big this list is. A short list of all the times it says the Nestle Allen United Bible Society manuscripts omits parts or entire verses. Look, look at this big list. Now, why would they come out with a Bible version that puts in footnotes that contradicts the verses? Well, they told you in the back of the 1982 New King James. Why would you call this a so-called New King James and then put footnotes in there that contradicts the real King James? Why would you do that? This is why they did it. Put it on the screen. Page 1235 in the New King James 1982 edition. Here's what it says. It was the editor's conviction that the use of footnotes would encourage further inquiry by the reader, by readers. They also recognized that it was easier for the average reader to delete something he or she felt was not properly part of the text. Let me read that again. They also recognized that it was easier for the average reader to delete something he or she felt was not properly part of the text. So now you, the reader, of the New King James becomes the modern-day textual critic. You become the modern-day Westcott and Hort. Or, let's go back a little further. They're trying to turn you into the modern-day Lucifer, whose first words in the King James Bible are, Yea, hath God said... They're trying to lead you to believe that you have the authority to go into the Bible and delete whatever you don't like. They said here that they were not going to subject the New King James to the textual criticism. They lied. That's not the only thing they lied about. They lied when they said that the New King James comes from the same manuscripts as the real King James. They don't. The King James Bible, Old Testament, comes from the Hebrew Mesoretic manuscripts. Commonly known that the King James Bible comes from the Hebrew Mesoretic manuscripts. 
But the New King James, New Te- uh, Old Testament, come from a different source. So let's see what they say that the New King James Old Testament comes from. This is the 1982 edition, Roman numeral V1, which is 6. Here's what it says here, where it says Old Testament text, left side, bottom. It says, for the New King James Version, the text used was the 1967-1977 Stuttgart edition of the Biblica Hebraica. 1967-1977 Biblica Hebraica. Is that the same manuscript the King James came from? A manuscript that came out 300 years after the King James? Doesn't sound like that to me. It sounded to me like the New King James was translated from manuscripts that came out 300 years after the King James. It's not the same manuscripts. For the New Testament, they mention over here, The manuscript preference cited in many contemporary translations of the New Testament are due to a recent reliance on the uh, relatively few manuscripts discovered in the late 19th and early 20th centuries. Dependent on these manuscripts, especially two, the Sinaitic and Vaticanus manuscripts, is due to the greater age of these documents. However, in spite of their age, some scholars have reason to doubt their faithfulness to the autographs. That's the originals. Their faithfulness to the autographs. Since they often disagree with one another and show other signs of unreliability. So they're admitting the Catholic manuscripts are contradicting each other, just like I was telling you earlier. Did that stop them from using them still in the New King James? No. Let's keep reading here. The Greek text obtained... By using these sources, our related papyri is known as the Alexandrian text. I just showed you the chart. So you see I'm not making this up. They don't come from the same manuscripts. They don't teach the same things. Now what I want to do now is I want to close this down by showing you the last part of the bait and switch of the new King James. They told you in 1982 that they were going to transition you away from the real Bible, the King James, to follow a modern version, right? They said that on the back of the King James, New King James parallel. The mission has been for them to get you away from the King James Bible at any cost. So for those who fell for the New King James, they ended up transitioning you from the real King James to a fake Bible. Now watch how they did it. How were they going to get a person from the King James to the NIV or the King James to the Revised Standard, a version they would have never, ever used? How were they going to do it? They didn't want you, for instance, to go out and throw away your King James and go and buy a Bible by another company, because if you did, that company would end up getting your money. They wanted to get your money. So how were they going to get you to transition to another version, yet still keep the new King James? Well, here's what they did. 1979, they came out with this. No footnotes. They told you, no, we're not going to be dealing with Westcott and Hort. Don't worry about it. You guys are cool. Trust us. 
1982, they come out with this, where they prove to you that they lied to you, they bring in Westcott and Hort, they bring in the Catholic manuscripts, and they mix it in over 1,500 times to the New Testament of the New King James. They bring in these other manuscripts. They just didn't tell you where they did it. You need the King James Bible to find out where they made the changes. You need the real one to find out where they made the changes. Now, they got you to drop your guard. They got you using the New King James. Now they're going to transition you, the bait and switch. I'm going to show you the power of the real Bible versus the fake Bibles. Watch this. I'm going to show you from my more than 300-year-old Bible, a passage out of Zephaniah, Zechariah. A passage out of Zechariah and what it says I'm going to show you from my King James Bible today that it says the exact same thing. Over 300 years later, it said the exact same thing. Then I'm going to show you from the New King James 1982 edition, the very same verse. And then the 2013 edition of the New King James. And we're going to see whether or not things have stayed the same or, or were they changed. Zechariah 13, verse 6. We will put it on the screen so you can see. <clears throat> the more than 300-year-old Bible says, And one shall say unto him, What are these wounds in thine hands? Then he shall answer, These with which I was wounded in the house of my friends. So the wounds are in the hands, right? A prophecy of Christ. Here is my King James Bible today. Put that on the screen. It's highlighted for you. Zechariah 13.6 And one shall say unto him, What are these wounds in thine hands? Then he shall answer, Those with which I was wounded in the house of my friends. So 300 or so years later, my King James Bible is still saying the same thing word for word. Let's take out the New King James. 1982 edition, New King James. Zechariah 13.6, it says, And someone will say to him, What are those wounds in your hands? Then he will answer, Those with which I was wounded in the house of my friends. So that's what it says in the 1982 edition. Let's see if it says the same thing in the 2013 edition of the New King James. And one will say to him, What are those wounds between your arms? Then he will answer, Those with which I was wounded in the house of my friends. Does the 1982 edition say wounds are between the arms? It says someone will say to him, What are these wounds in your hands? 82 edition, 2013 edition, what are these wounds between your arms? Well, guess what? It still says New King James in the front. It still says it's a New King James in the front. But the text on the inside was changed, and they never told you.
They never told you. You were transitioned just like they said they were going to do. And what this so-called New King James is? It's a hybrid Bible. It's got a little bit of the New International Version, a little bit of Revised Standard Version, a little bit of the American Standard Version. A little bit of altered King James Bible verses sprinkled in. All in one. It's a hybrid Bible translation. And you can have people using a new King James and people using a new King James and they're not even saying the same thing. And they're telling us these new Bibles are here to make things easier to read and easier to understand. The first dead giveaway should have been the symbol they put on the front of the 1979 New King James. That symbol should have warned you. 1979 edition. Here's the symbol. Open it up on the inside. There it is again. What's this symbol all about? Can somebody tell me what that symbol is about? 1982 edition. New King James. There it is again. The symbol's back. Open it up. Let's see what's going on on the inside here of this New King James. Well, here's two of them. One here and one here. Why is this symbol so important to the New King James people that they keep putting this symbol in their books? Flip it open again, and there it is again. Why do they keep putting this symbol in here? That's a 1982 edition. This here, 1984 edition. There it is again. The symbol's back. What is this thing? Why do they feel the need to put this symbol on this book? Open it up. There it is again. Why do they feel the need to put this symbol on the New King James? And we're about to close this down because I'm going to tell you what this symbol means. And when you see what it means, that should solve it for you. It says here on the inside of the 1984 edition, Logo, the triketra from the Latin word meaning three-cornered, is an ancient symbol for the Trinity. It comprises of three interwoven arcs, distinct yet equal and inseparable, symbolizing the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are the three distinct yet equal persons of the invisible uh, and indivisibly one God. So they're saying that this symbol represents Jehovah God. Yeah, really? Really? That symbol, they say, represents God Almighty. Is that right? Well, folks, they're taking advantage of the fact that most Christians have never done research in comparative religion. They're taking advantage of the fact that most Christian ministers never take the time to warn their flock about witchcraft and the occult and Satanism in detail. They might talk about it bits and pieces, but I don't remember the last time I heard a TV minister, radio minister, or any of the others spending weeks or multiple days dealing with the issue of the occult, witchcraft, and things like that, warning Christians in detail concerning what these things are and what they mean and all that. 
All you have to do, folks, you want to know what this symbol means? Put it on the screen. They said in the 1984 edition of the New King James that this symbol represents the Trinity, right? Well, let's see what it really means. You simply go on Google and you type in Triketra, T-R-I-Q-U-E-T-R-A, and this is what pops up. Let's see if Triketra means Father, Son, and Holy Ghost as the New King James claims. It says here, Triketra is an ancient Indo-European three-pointed symbol representing three-way unity. Sometimes it has a circle running through it. Other times it does not. The circle in many belief systems is a symbol of eternity. For pagan Wiccans, it represents the triple goddess as the maiden, mother, and crone. This symbol is a pagan witchcraft occult symbol. Notice nothing here about Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Nothing here about the Christian Trinity at all. This symbol is not a Christian symbol. It's never been a Christian symbol. It's a pagan occult symbol. Always has been. When I saw this on the, the New King James, like, wait a minute, what in the world? Why are they putting this symbol on here? Because this symbol also has another meaning. Here's some things that have that symbol on it. See these books here? These witchcraft books and occult books? Notice the symbol, on, on the same symbol on all these books. Witchcraft and occult books. But there's another reason why this symbol is considered so powerful within these groups, these witchcraft and occult groups. Because what this symbol actually is, is it's three sixes that are connected together. It's 666. And Christians unknowingly have been flashing this symbol, even in this Baptist church that I went to in December. Take a look at this. So are you really trying to tell me, those who are behind the new Bible versions, are they really trying to tell me that this is a modernized King James Bible? When they stamp a 666 on the front of it, and then put the 666 on the inside of it as well? I don't think there's any more I can say, guys. I've spent over a decade trying to warn Christians about these new Bible versions. I don't know how much more I have left in me. I just want to say that uh, I'd like to know, is there anybody out there that's heard this message? That's willing to set aside these so-called modern versions that they keep changing every few years. You can't rely on them because they keep changing them every few years. Is there anybody out there that's willing to go back to the two-edged sword that doesn't break, that doesn't change God's word that has been the same in our language for over 400 years? Is there anybody out there that's still willing to take up this old sword? 
I look around the battleground and I see some of the ministers that are still holding tight to this King James Bible like myself. We're getting old, but we're still fighting. We're getting old, but we're still fighting, defending this book. Because if we don't do it, who's going to do it? Like the man of old who went into battle and he took the sword in his hand. He had such a tight grip on it. And he'd just swing that sword. And he'd swing that sword. And when the battle was over, he had hung onto that sword so tight for so long that he couldn't let it go. Is there anybody left that's like that? That are not going to be enticed and seduced away by so-called modern versions of the Bible that are changing what the Bible is supposed to say. I don't want you to be deceived. There's an old sword. It doesn't rust. It doesn't break. It's in our language. It's the King James Bible. They try to tell you it's hard to read. I've just proven to you that it's not. They try to use thee, thou, and ye to show you that you can't understand this Bible. I've explained to you why an English Bible has to have those words in it to be understood. They said nobody talks like the King James Bible. I've just proven to you in this message that we use terms and expressions that are found in this King James Bible every single day. You just don't know that these terms and expressions came from the King James Bible. I've gone into the background and the history of where all these other Bibles came from. If you still want to use the new Bible versions, I can't stop you. But you can't say you weren't warned. You can't say nobody tried to warn you that you're heading the wrong way. Jesus Christ paid the price for us over 2,000 years ago, or nearly 2,000 years ago on a cross, so that we could have our sins forgiven. And this King James Bible tells us the story, and it doesn't alter it. It doesn't water it down. It doesn't try to make it politically correct. It tells it like it is. It doesn't matter what you've done in your life. Jesus Christ can forgive you and make you brand new. Life is not going to be perfect when you give your life to the Lord. You're going to find yourself entering into a battle. But you can walk into this battle with confidence that the battle is already won. You're just a new soldier on the field. Let me go to the verse that I close my messages out with. 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. As I show you the hope that I have, the verse that I stand on. 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. You can know that if you die today, you're going to heaven to be with Jesus. How? You believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that he died on that cross for you and your sins, and me and my sins. And he asks us to believe that. Believe that he paid the price in full. You can't earn it. You can't work for it. Being good doesn't get you any closer to God. He did all the work for you, and there's nothing you can do that's going to improve what he did on that cross. Just accept what he did. And trust him that he's going to get you to heaven, as he promised. 
Get yourself a King James Bible. Good old authorized King James Version. And read it. Study it. You're going to find stuff in here you won't find in the New Bible Versions. There's a lot of stuff in here that don't even appear in the New Bible Versions. Seek it out. There's so much treasure in here, you're going to be shocked. You can read it cover to cover. You'll find some stuff. And then you'll read it cover to cover again, and you'll find some stuff you missed. And you'll read it cover to cover again, and you'll find even more stuff that you missed. You know why? Because this book is a living book. It's not dead. God has filled this thing full of information, and you'll never dig down to the bottom of it. There is no bottom. It's just more and more and more. What would you expect from the God of the universe? That pretty much does it, guys. I hope I've been of assistance to you. And until next we meet, may the grace of my God, Jesus, be with you. Good night.